Thanks for checking out our weekly podcast. Our mission at Grace is to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by this week's message. For more information about Grace, you can follow us on Facebook or check out our website at experiencegrace.church. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. That was, that was great timing, right? We'll talk about that later. All right. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, you'll be in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians uh, chapter 4. They, they say that whenever you get up to talk in front of a group that you're supposed to start off with something really exciting. So are you guys ready for this? As soon as this is over, we're fixing to have a business meeting up in here. Okay, so that really wasn't that exciting. Church business means most of you are like, I'm glad it's after this and not during this because I am out. But if you want to stay, it's at 1030. It's right after the service. But it is a little bit exciting because we'll get the chance to talk a little bit about how our giving has been up a little bit over the last year, uh, monthly. And because of that, we are going to increase our giving towards world missions. Uh, we have a missions budget that is specifically above our normal budget that people give specifically to missionaries. But when we paid off our... Um, mortgage about three years ago, uh, we decided that we would take some money and have a goal of 10% of our budget going to missions. And so three years ago, we started at a whopping 2.8% of our budget that went to missions. Uh, last year, we increased it to 4.5%. And this year, because of your giving, we are raising it to 8%. So that means that every month, there's $2,700 that's going to be designated out of our normal giving that goes to missions on top of the money that you guys already give. And so I don't know if that's exciting to you, but that's exciting to me because that means a lot more people are going to hear the gospel both locally, nationally, and internationally. So thank you so much for your faithful giving towards that. Um, we're going to be in Ephesians 4 this morning, and uh, Mark kind of spoiled uh, my surprise last week by telling you that I was going to be talking about gifts today. And if you misunderstood him and thought that I said, or thought that he said I was giving out gifts, then I am sorry to let you down, all right? Uh, can we turn me down just a little bit? I'm hearing myself a little bit too much, and I don't like that, all right? Uh, <laughs> with uh, Christmas only a few weeks behind us, we are... Um, it may be, you may be thinking a little bit, when you think, talk about gifts, you may be thinking a little bit about the gifts that uh, you've received. And that's what I brought up here. I, I have brought a couple of gifts that I received this last Christmas. Christmas, one of them is one that we gave, and the other one is one that we gave away. Uh, one that we gave away was this one to our family. Uh, it's a desk calendar. If you're looking for a family gift to give away, this is a good one, mainly because it's, it's really sentimental. It's got pictures on it each month, right? Uh, but the other reason I like to give it away is because it only costs five bucks to make at Walmart, and uh, that's right in my price range, but we gave this away, uh, and then one that I received was this thing right here. Now, I don't know if you've seen a belt before. When I was a kid, I saw these far too often, if you know what I'm talking about, um, but they have, this is called a Groove Life belt. Have you guys seen these Groove Lifes? Watch this. Oh, wait. <laughs> it works better when it's on your waist. Boom! It's got a magnet on it. Look at that. It's got a little stretch to it. How many of you guys have seen these things advertised? Nobody. All right. Apparently, I'm the only one getting the advertisements. <laughs> but they advertise them, and finally, I was like, I'm adding that to my Christmas wish list. And I put it on there, and it is super cool. Just boom, boom. And my, actually, it strikes fear into the heart of my children. They're glad they're older now, right? Uh, because how many of you guys remember when you were a kid, and your dad would unbuckle his belt, and then he would do one of those? Did anyone else? I'm sorry if that's bringing back ticks. Uh, but yeah, some of us lived that way. 
These uh, two gifts that we're talking about here are gifts that one of them is meant to be uh, looked at, right? It's meant to be enjoyed. It, I mean, it's a calendar, and you can look at it for the days and things like that, but that's why we have phones. Uh, the reason I got a desk calendar is more because there are different pictures that you cycle through each month. With the belt, it's a little bit more of one that is not meant to be enjoyed as much as it is intended to be used. Both of these are gifts, but they have different purposes. Uh, we're going to see how that ties into Ephesians 4. We've been going through this series, uh, through this, this passage, uh, and we've been calling it uh, Made New. And uh, we have a picture of a, a, a butterfly there because that's what you see from when a caterpillar has a metamorphosis that takes place and turns into a, a beautiful butterfly. The same thing is true when a person believes the gospel. We are made into new creatures. And as we come to these next few verses, we're going to see that one of the ways that God makes us new is by giving us these gifts. The gifts that he gives to us are not like a calendar meant to be looked at and enjoyed, but they are meant to be more like a belt. They're meant to be used, to be put into practice. As a matter of fact, this passage is going to show us that as we use these gifts, God uses them to make us new, specifically making us new in our purpose making us understand that, that age-old question like, why am I here? Like, why do I exist? Or if you want to get spiritual, like, why did God save me? Why didn't he just take me to heaven as soon as I believed the gospel? I believe this passage is going to answer that question, and we're going to look at it in verses 7 through 16, but I want to start at the end of the text. And I want to do that because as we look at the end of it, we're going to identify the purpose or what happens as a result of God giving us these gifts. Look what it says in verse number 13. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, just we're going to read the verses before it so you understand in this context here in just a few minutes but i want you to understand that he gives a list of things here that come as a result of god's people being made new and then understanding what their gifts are and putting those gifts into practice and so as we put those gifts on we see that one of the things that happens is we come together in unity uh, this unity of the faith. Uh, another way of phrasing that would be to say that it, we become connected with other believers. Specifically, he's talking about being connected with other believers that are a part of the same body or the same church. The church is called the body of Christ. And so we become connected with one another and we, 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 we do so at much more of an intimate level. We feel like we're a, a part of something. I don't know if you've ever been there before or not, but I, as a pastor, oftentimes when people uh, leave uh, a, a church and when they leave our church, oftentimes I'm thankful that they come and they tell me why they're leaving. By the way, if you ever decide to leave, please let us know why, because if we're doing something wrong, we want to make it right, right? But a lot of people just leave and don't say anything and we wonder and nothing has ever made any better, right? And so we want the opportunity to make it better. But one of the things that we hear oftentimes when someone leaves a church is they say, I just don't feel connected. And one of the reasons that we're going to see in this passage is one of the reasons we don't feel connected is because we're not using the gifts that God has given us that when we use them, it makes us feel connected. So he continues on here, he says, till we all come in the unity of the faith, and then he continues and says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. The second thing that happens when we put the belt on, when we start using the gifts God has given to us, it helps us to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. This is not just knowing Jesus on an intellectual level, but knowing him on an intimate level. 
there's something supernatural about the way that God has wired us, that he has not only given us gifts, but when we use those gifts, he uses that, that process to help us to understand who he is and to know him on a deeper level. Not only that, but he continues and says, and unto a perfect man. He says, in other words, as we use these gifts, we are going to be perfected. Now, when you talk about a perfect man, I know my wife is thinking of me right now, and many of you wives may be thinking the same thing about your husband. How many of you guys feel like you're sitting next to the perfect man right now? Not, oh, there's one hand. All right, JJ, you're doing good. Everybody else, we need help, right? We need to use our gifts so we can be the perfect man. Of course, he's not talking about being a perfect person. The word perfect here just simply means becoming all that you were made to be. It's a callback to verse number one. Remember in verse number one, he talked about how we should walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we're called. It's basically being everything that God has designed you to be. And there's something about using the gifts God has given us that, that brings us to this place where we're fulfilling his purpose for which he created us. But don't miss the clarifying statement at the end of that verse. He says, a perfect man is unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In other words, when you look at Jesus, when Jesus was on the earth, if you want to see what the Father looks like, then just look at the life that Jesus lived, right? Because he is a reflection of the Father. And the same thing is true for a believer. As, as we grow in our faith and as he makes us new, the fullness of Christ begins to be on display in our lives. We become more and more like him. But remember, in the context of this passage, that only comes in this, in this text as a result of utilizing the gifts that have been given to us. He continues these thoughts in verse number 14 and says that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. When he talks about uh, these, these people that are lying in wait to deceive, that phrase lying in wait is the exact word that is used in Ephesians 6 when it's talking about the armor of God and he tells us not to fall for the wiles of the devil. I don't know if you're like me, but when I hear the word wiles, I think of a cartoon character. Anybody else thinking of the same cartoon character? He's chasing the, the animal that makes that noise. What noise does he make? Ready? One, two, three. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, Wiley Coyote, right? What's Wiley Coyote doing? He's wily, he's deceptive, he's trying to get the roadrunner, right? And the enemy is, we're told that the enemy is after us as well. And what happens oftentimes is many believers are, fall for this deception because they, they're not uh, rooted, they're not grounded in their faith, they're not grounded in their understanding of the word. And that is a result oftentimes of not utilizing the gifts that God has given to us. Um, one person said that uh, whenever we use the gifts here when it talks about that we're, not, we're no more children, he called it prolonged infancies. And a lot of times you see that with believers. I mean, the Bible talks about how we are babes in Christ when we first believe the gospel, right? Uh, but babies are not meant to stay babies. We're meant to grow. And when you think about predators, what are they, who do they go after? They usually go after the smallest ones, right? And so he's telling us to, this helps us to mature in our faith. He continues in verse 15 and says, but here's the other result. We speak the truth in love. We may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. These gifts are given so that as we use them, we learn to speak the truth. Some of you are like, I'm pretty good at speaking the truth. Yeah, 
Some of us are, but some of us are jerks about it. How <laughs> I many you guys know someone that speaks the truth all the time, and they are just mean? Anybody know any mean believers that speak the truth? The Bible tells us here that as we use our gifts, as we, as we begin to serve God by serving others with the, the, the unique ways that he has, he has equipped us, then what happens is we begin to speak the truth in much more of a loving manner. As a matter of fact, we grew up into all things, which is the head of even Christ. Again, he's, he's alluding to the fact of how we speak the truth like Jesus spoke the truth. When you think of Jesus, was Jesus mean when he spoke the truth? No, he spoke the truth in love. It was a beautiful mixture of grace and truth. He, he didn't shy away from telling people the truth, but he told them in a very grace and love-filled way. Verse 16 concludes this by saying, from, and, and just, this, is a, this is kind of a mouthful, the way that this one is written, it says, from whom the whole body, the church, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, According to the effectual working and the measure of every part maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Basically, he's telling us here that from Jesus, who is the head, he, he, he takes the whole body, which is the church, right? And each of us are a part of the body. We are body parts, right? And he has put us together, and he has put us together in a way that we work together in an effectual way or in, a, in, a, in a, an effective way. And as that happens, it promotes growth, and that growth comes as a result of love. So as we review these verses, this, it's important because the gifts God gives to us, they have a purpose. What's the purpose behind this gift? It is to... Hold up your pants, all right? Crack kills, all right? It is to hold up your pants. And so with the gifts that God has given to us, they are given to us for a specific purpose. They are given to us so that we can connect to other believers, so that we can know Jesus on a deeper level, so that we can become all that God has made us to be. It is so that we will not be easily deceived. It is so that we can speak the truth in love. It is so that we can see growth that comes as a result of the love. I, I, I kind of wonder if there's anyone in the room that's like, yeah, I don't, I don't need any of that stuff right? Um, how many of you guys know someone that's like, ah, I don't need a belt, and then you see them doing something, you're like, yeah, you need a belt, bro, <laughs> right? There, there's a lot of believers that, ah, I don't need that stuff, but I mean, let's be honest. Is there something in long, inside of you that longs to connect with others? Is there something inside of you that wants to know Jesus on a deeper level? Do you feel that there's more to life than what you're experiencing right now? Do you lack spiritual confidence, or do you find yourself confused? Do you struggle to speak the truth or receive the truth? Do you want to grow? Do you want to experience love on a new level? These gifts are given so that we can accomplish these very things. So that brings us to the obvious question. What are the gifts? <laughs> like, you've got to tell us what they are, right? You've told us everything that they do, so what are these gifts? So let's look at verse number 8. Mark uh, read this verse last week, and he pointed out that verse 8 is a quotation of Psalm 68. Verse 8 says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascendeth, ascended up on high, he led captivity captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now, when we read this passage, and Mark alluded to a little bit last week, uh, it, there's differences of opinion about what he's referring to here, and what, what, or actually what happened here. What he's referring to here is after Jesus died on the cross, because Jesus came, he lived on the earth for about how many years? 33 years. He was dead for about three days, right? So people ask, what, what happened to Jesus between the time that he died on the cross and the time that he rose from the dead? And this verse is referring to what happened during that time. 
Some people believe that when Jesus died on the cross, that uh, he died and he literally went to hell and spent three days suffering our punishment in hell. He descended and then later ascended. There's another group of people that believe that uh, Jesus did not go to hell during those three days, but he went into what the Bible calls Sheol. Uh, and that would be kind of like the story with Lazarus and, uh, and uh, the rich man. I don't know if you remember that story in the book of Luke, but the rich man died and Lazarus died, and they, they both opened up their eyes in eternity. And it talked about how the rich man was in eternal fire and torment, and it talked about how Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. Many people believe that the Old Testament saints that died before Jesus made his sacrifice on the cross, they weren't able to go to heaven because the sacrifice had not been made. So they went to this Abraham's bosom or Sheol. Uh, and many people believe that when Jesus died, he went down to Sheol and he led those people out of Sheol into heaven. Now we can argue about which one of those we believe or if we believe something different. One of the things that's very needed amongst Christians is this. Where the Bible is clear, we should be clear. And where the Bible is not clear, we should not be dogmatic. Does that make sense? There are a lot of people that take very dogmatic positions for which there is no biblical justification. And so where the Bible is, is maybe, maybe gray and not black or white, let's not take a strong stand. And personally, I don't believe there's a real strong stand to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt which one of these is correct. But there is no confusion about what happened after those three days. What happened after those three days according to the scriptures? Jesus rose from the dead, right? There's no denying that Jesus rose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, this verse is telling us that he led captivity captive and he gave gifts unto men. Now when we read this, we may not think much of it. But in the context of, of, of the Ephesians, as they were reading it, they would have immediately went back to think about something that we enjoy just about a few times a year, especially if you have little kids. Every year we have the Marigold Festival, we've got the Turkey Festival, we've got the Pumpkin Festival, and all the festivals, while they're different and they're kind of worshiping different animals or whatever, uh, what is the one thing that they have in common? They all have a... Funnel cakes. Yeah, that's not what I was looking for, all right? Good try. Uh, they all have a parade, right? They all have a parade. And, and what do they do in the parade? They, they come into town and they give, they give gifts, right? They're throwing out candy. And, and it's, it's fun for us, but in those days, their parades were essentially the same thing, but it was held after there was a, 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 an army that went into another land. They conquer the land, and they come back into the land with the spoils of victory right? The animals and the jewels and the gold and all of those things. And people would come and they would watch these people parade through and they would throw out these gifts. And our parades are modeled after their parades. And they would have been very familiar with this as they're reading this passage. And what he's telling us here is that after Jesus accomplished his purpose for coming to this earth, dying for mankind, raising from the dead, he spoiled death, hell, and the grave, right? And when he came back after winning that victory, he had a parade, right? And he's throwing out these gifts. And it's not funnel cakes, uh, and it's not uh, gold, and it, it's not uh, Tootsie Rolls or other cheap candy that they throw. I like the ones that throw out the chocolate. I, I mean, you guys are with me on that, right? But it's something different. So, do you want to see what God gives? Let's look at the next, uh, next verse here, verse number 11. And he gave, here's the gift, 
he gave some apostles, and he gave some prophets, and he gave some evangelists, and he gave some pastors and teachers. We've been talking about gifts and how gifts, the gifts that God gives, are designed to help us do all those things that we saw in verses 13 through 16. And you may have been thinking, oh, the spiritual gift of this or the spiritual gift of that. And there are other spiritual gifts that are listed in other passages of Scripture, and Lord willing, we'll look at some of those next week. But in this context, there's only one group of gifts that are given here. What are those gifts? (laughs) Some of you are like, can I get a gift receipt with that? (laughs) What's... What's the return policy on this? Like, according to this passage, what are the gifts that God gave after he conquered death, hell, and the grave? It was the spiritual leaders within the church. Now, now I'm not saying this to toot my horn. I'm not saying it because we have a problem with it. I'm saying it because this is the next verse that we're reading in this passage. And this passage is telling us that God gave spiritual leaders to the church. Now, if you follow the line of reasoning through this chapter, it's all about being made new. And being made new is always done in the context of community. It is rarely, if ever, done in isolation. I want you to look at the person next to you and tell them, you need help. Yeah, now look at the other person that really needed it more and tell them, you need help. And what we see here is that we all do need help and we need it from one another. Verses 1 and, one through th- uh, one and 2, we talked about how we are made new in relationships. That's, that's what he was talking about, the way that we interact with one another. Pa- uh, pa- uh, Pastor Andrew did a great job a couple of weeks ago going verses 3 through 6 and talking about how we're one body, one faith, one baptism, all the things that are listed there. It's, we're all one, right? And now we come to verses 7 through 16 and he's talking about how this body that is one has been given this gift of spiritual leaders and the good thing is that this gift comes with an instruction manual right how many guys when you get a gift and it comes with an instruction manual you're like "Ah, i don't need that and you throw it away and then about an hour later you're digging through the trash to find the instruction how many guys admit you've done that before right listen when it comes to spiritual leadership in the church we need an instruction manual because many of us get it wrong many churches get it wrong many spiritual leaders get it wrong look what it says in verse number 12 this is the instruction manual this is why god gave the gifts of spiritual leaders for the perfecting of the saints the reason god gives spiritual leaders is for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of christ now when you see that word perfecting It means that he gave spiritual leaders for the equipping of the saints. Uh, As a matter of fact, um, it means to put things together, uh, put them into the condition that they were intended to be. It was a number of years ago, we had an assistant pastor here named Pastor Jeremy, and we had afternoon services back in the day, and we would do like a one o'clock service, and uh, Pastor uh, Jeremy was preaching, and he came down, and he, he was always real dramatic, he still is, uh, but uh, he was real dramatic, and he, he stepped down to about right here, and he, and he went to go like this, and he was going to say something and emphasize it, and, and he said, and God said, and when he did this, he goes, oh, how many guys were there when he did that? I know a few of you were there when he, he went, oh, and I'm sitting like right in here. I thought he was having a heart attack. He's like in his 30s. I thought he was having a heart attack. He goes, oh, and he goes, Josh, you're going to have to go. And he starts walking away. I'm like, okay. So I got up and tried to finish his message. But he wasn't having a heart attack. He threw his shoulder out. 
He had one of those trick shoulders. I mean, you guys ever had a dislocated uh, joint? He dislocated his shoulder. And uh, I don't, is Wendy here? Uh, <laughs> he was walking back there, and Wendy followed. She's a medical professional. She knew what she was doing. She walked back there. She goes, you ever seen Lethal Weapon? You guys remember Lethal Weapon? Out of, out of joint, hit it against the wall. You know, I think she made him hit it against the wall or something like that. But she went back there, and she perfected Jeremy Vance, all right? She went back there, and she got that joint back into place, right? And now he's doing better, and he doesn't do this stuff anymore. But he's telling us in this passage that the reason God gives us spiritual leaders is to help the body, which is made up of individuals, to be put into the position in which they need to be. So, what is, I want you to read this verse for yourself. What, does, what is the responsibility of the spiritual leaders within the church? To equip the saints, so the saints can do the work of the ministry, so the saints can edify the body of Christ. And here's where there's a disconnect in many churches, and honestly with a lot of spiritual leaders. There's a belief in the modern church that spiritual leaders are God's gift to the church, and that's true. But where the disconnect is, they believe that the spiritual leaders are God's gift to the church so that the spiritual leaders can do the work of the ministry. But I want you to step back from that and look at this verse again. He's given apostles, pastors, teachers, all those things in verse number 11 so that they can equip the saints. Well, if you just stop there and say, well, they're supposed to equip the saints and the spiritual leaders are supposed to do the work of the ministry and the spiritual leaders are supposed to do the edifying of the body of Christ. Well, then let me ask you this. What's the equipping for? What's the perfecting for, right? It's very obvious. It's very clear whenever you read this in its context. He says, we're giving spiritual leaders so the spiritual leaders can equip the saints so the saints can do the work of the ministry and so the saints can do the edifying of the body of Christ. The spiritual leader oftentimes is expected to meet all the needs of all the people. And many church members believe that their responsibility extends little beyond just coming to church and watching the pastors do the work of the ministry. And that's why in the majority of churches around our country, the average church size is 65 people. The reason for that is because I believe there's a fundamental misunderstanding amongst leadership and amongst church members about who does the work of the ministry. The average pastor can meet the spiritual needs of 75 to 100 people. A high-energy pastor can relate to about 150 before having a nervous breakdown. And a pastor that's willing to work 90 hours a week and is obsessive-compulsive a little bit, they can keep up with about 200 people. Not only do these kinds of pastors run themselves into the ground, but they typically lose their families. But more importantly, when we think about the context of this passage, more importantly, when a pastor is the only one or the pastors are the only ones doing the work of the ministry, they are robbing God's people of all the things we saw in verses 13 through 16. They're robbing God's people of opportunities to connect with one another. They're robbing God's people of opportunities to grow in their knowledge of Jesus. They're robbing God's people of these supernatural things that happen as a result of us doing the work of the ministry together. I recently was... Uh, perusing uh, reels on Facebook. How many of you guys have done that before, right? And uh, a lot of sports ones come up for me because I enjoy sports. And how many of you guys remember Pete Rose? Pete Rose, you won't see him in the Hall of Fame, uh, but he has more hits than any other player in baseball. And back in the day, he was in his 40s, and he played for the Cincinnati Reds. And Pete Rose was not only a player, he was also the manager. 
And how many guys remember that, right? I mean, he was, he was an incredible hitter. And they saw in this little clip that he was, their team was losing. I think it was like the bottom of the ninth or something, and they had some people on. And old Pete Rose, the manager, in his 40s, goes, I'm in. And he put himself in, and he gets up there. He's like a man on first. They need to get him over to third. And he gets in, he hits a single right up the middle, and he kind of halfway runs as hard as he could at 40-something years old. He gets to first base, and then he subs himself out and has a pinch runner run for him because he had to take care of it himself. Has anyone seen that recently in Major League Baseball? Do you see that? Do you see that in the NBA? Uh, you ever see that in college football where a guy's like, if you're not going to tackle him, I'm going to tackle him. And the coach puts on a helmet and goes out there and gets it done. No, you, you don't see that nowadays in sports. But you see it all the time in churches. You see it all the time in churches. And this is a problem because there's only so much that a person can do. Usually those coaches, they're in their 40s, you know? Uh, a lot of times they're like five foot eight going against seven footers, you know, and that kind of thing in the NBA. Like they're not equipped to go in there and to do what is needing to be done. And there's only so many things that a person is gifted to do. One of the things I was thinking of as I was reading through this text and, and thinking about our church is, is uh, a ministry that was started just this last year. Uh, Terry came to us and she said there's a ministry called Grief Share and uh, it's specifically designed for people that are going through uh, a, a loss and they're grieving uh, the loss of a loved one. And of course, Mrs. Sinus, her uh, husband passed away just a few years ago and she knows what it's like to go through that grief. And I told her, I said, I can't lead that. I haven't experienced grief like you've experienced it. And then she, uh, she said, well, Kaylin, she's experienced grief re recently, and, and Kaylin came alongside. And both of them had gone through something that I haven't gone through. And I think last year was, last semester was the first semester you guys went through. Had a number of people that came through there. April, right there, came. And April not only started coming to church, but April believed the gospel just a few weeks ago, and we're excited about that. And listen, I'm going to tell you right now, April wouldn't have happened if I was leading it. And I'm not like, I'm being serious because I can't connect like these ladies have connected with you and helped you and many others and one another. It's a beautiful thing. And that's the way that the church is designed to work. It's to help the people identify the giftings that God has given to them and then to plug them into a position so they can use those gifts. And listen, I don't think you have to talk to Terry or Kaylin for very long to see that the things in verses 13 through 16 they experienced over the last four or five months as they were leading that ministry. They saw God do supernatural things, not just in the lives of the people they were ministering to, but in their own hearts and in their own lives and in their own faith. That's the way that the church is designed to operate. There's something supernatural that God does in our lives when we begin to be made new in our purpose by understanding that life is not about us. When we begin to minister to and edify others, God makes us new. God has uniquely equipped each of us to be ministers. Don't let that word throw you off. I, myself, Mark, and Andrew are not the only ministers at this church. Every one of us are ministers in some way. It's not a matter of if you're a minister. It's a matter of if you're a good one or, or not so good one. Some of you are ministers that are, uh, that are disguised as, as factory workers. Some of you are ministers that are dis disguised as, as healthcare workers. Some of you are ministers that are disguised as, uh, as delivery drivers and salesmen. But all of us are in ministry. And my job is to help us to recognize that 
to find opportunities to use those gifts and then to allow God to begin to do the process as you use those gifts to serve him by serving others. I don't know who said it, but in my Bible, next to verse number 11, when it talks about the spiritual leaders, I have uh, think uh, personal trainer, not personal masseuse. When you think about a spiritual leader, they're not there just to enjoy the massage, not to just enjoy the, 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 the show, to enjoy watching them do everything. No, think personal trainer. They're equipping you to go out and do what God has made you to do. The passage is talking specifically about the gift of spiritual leaders. Like I said before, the other passages, there are other passages that talk about some of the other spiritual gifts, and Lord willing, we'll talk about those next week. But for now, consider this. What would our church look like if we all attended with the desire to meet someone else's needs? What would our church look like if we came in on Sundays with a desire to build someone else up and to encourage them? How many people could be reached and encouraged in their faith if every one of us understood that we exist to walk with God and to be used by him to point others to him? We were made for this. The gifts that God has given to us are not to be like a calendar, just to be looked at, but they're meant to be used like a belt. This last week, um, I got to witness this firsthand. Uh, Christy Larson's sister passed away suddenly at 48 years old this last week. And they had the visitation on Wednesday, and I wasn't able to go because we had basketball practice and we had life groups and worship practice, all the different things that we had to take care of. And I wasn't able to go, but at Life Group, uh, the Zielsdorfs came in there in our Life Group, and they said, uh, yeah, we just got back from the, the visitation. And that may not sound like a big deal to you until you understand that the visitation was in Taylorville, an hour and 20 minutes away. And John took off work early so he could drive an hour and 20 minutes one way, wait in line, talk to the Larsons for probably two or three minutes, and drive an hour and 20 minutes back. You know what? The Larsons may not remember a word the Zielsdorf said, but I guarantee you they'll remember that they were there. They were blessed by it. There's a lady that attended our church for a number of years named Nancy Whitaker, who uh, just passed away this last week as well. And her funeral was yesterday. And I wasn't able to be at that funeral. And I feel like I, I really wanted to be. I love Nancy, and I got a ton of stories I could tell you about Nancy. But I wasn't able to be at that funeral because there was a rather significant event that was taking place in our uh, household. Uh, many of you know my oldest daughter, Emma, that uh, plays the keys oftentimes when she's home from school. She met a boy, and the boy had a question for her yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited for her. And, uh, and I, it, it blesses me to see my, my children. We're getting rid of them. It's kind of nice. Uh, <laughs> No, it blesses me to, uh, to see that. But you know what was a huge blessing to me? I wanted to minister to Nancy's family. I love that family. And I wasn't able to. But you know what? They still got ministered to. Not just because Pastor Andrew did the, the funeral, but because many of you made meals Many of you uh, didn't even know Nancy and you were bringing meals to church. Some of you delivered them and things like that. Listen, wh what this passage is teaching us here, and don't, don't miss this, what this passage is teaching us is that it's not my job to pastor you. That sounds weird. 
My job is to make sure you get pastored. Does that make sense? I can't do it all. Andrew can't do it all. Mark can't do it all. But God has put us together so that we can work together to effectively minister to one another in the unique ways that God has supernaturally put us together. And lest you think, well, Josh is just carrying on because we need more volunteers. Listen, we always need volunteers, but we're in a good spot. As a matter of fact, we have on record 135 people volunteer on a calendar. We have on a calendar every month here at Grace. As a matter of fact, we're celebrating our volunteers tonight. We're taking all of our volunteers that wanted to come uh, to Alexander's, and we're taking care of it, and it's going to be a great time. We're going to get all decked out in our finest gear, and it, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're doing the XPs. We may show pictures of it uh, next week. But it's exciting, 135 people. But listen, there, on average, there's usually around 300 people that come on Sundays. There's probably about four or 500 that call this their church home. That means there's a lot of people that aren't equipped or finding their equip, equipping and utilizing it for God's glory. Don't forget where we started. The reason God gives us these gifts is so that we can feel apart, so we can feel connected, have unity with one another. It's so that we can grow in our knowledge of Jesus. It's so that we can mature spiritually. It's so that we can be more spiritually stable, so we can experience authentic community by speaking truth to one another, and so that we can have a growing capacity of love for God and for others. Those things all come as a result of us being made new in our purpose by using our gifts to serve God by serving others. Thanks again for listening today. Grace Baptist Church exists to help people worship God, connect to others, and serve both. If there's anything at all we can do for you, please reach out to us. You can reach us on Facebook as well as online at experiencegrace.church. Hope you have a great day.